morning. It's 5.56 a.m. The rooster is crowing from the neighbor. I just saw the sunrise, at least the, what I can see from my backyard. Um, today should be August 14th. It's a Tuesday. Um, not much on the calendar today. I am trying to rummage up the courage to, to start something new. And this is it. It's just talking. Because um, I have a hard time sometimes expressing everything clearly in writing. I'm still learning that now that I understand how words work. Um, but what's the urgent need that prompts this is from a question I asked yesterday. How does someone who loves their child more than anything else on this planet because she realizes how special it was to be blessed with such a wonderful child and my wonderful child doesn't feel wonderful anymore and when that starts to happen, a mother starts to think. She starts to, she starts to notice things about her daughter that maybe nobody else would notice. I don't know. I can only speak for myself. I am the only mother that my child has. And, um, and I feel the need to protect her from something much bigger than she can understand at this moment. The problem is there's no direct means to contact her. So um, about this, she is young. She's only 11 and um, she's been through some pretty traumatic events in her life um, so far. Uh, no. Uh, unfortunately, brought about um, by a lot by me. And, you know, you have to think of, I know I'm a good mother because I know I love my daughters before I even knew I was going to have her. And how did I do that? Because I started going to therapy in my early 20s. That's when I started therapy and I haven't stopped. And I'm not sure why I felt such a strong need, but it was there. And I believe that it had to do with my own childhood. Um, at that point, I was determined that if I'm this angry in my life right now, where I was at that point in my early 20s, because I was angry and I spewed anger on a lot of people during my path, especially, especially after high school and um, after McDonald's when I started working in a nursing home. That's when, that's when like, I guess the bubble I grew up in was, you know, started to have a slow leak. It didn't burst. Um, didn't burst until uh, 
June 13th. And during that time, I started to, to learn with what different, an environment so different. Um, and I absolutely loved working there. I learned a lot. I took care of a lot of people. And I realized a lot about uh, death and dying and loneliness and heartbreak and all these emotions you could feel from, from the, the people that we took care of. Somebody's mother, father, brother, sister, all of that, just, just like I have been. And when it came toward the end of life, it was just something that, you know, I could, I could feel their emotions and, and I wanted to bring them peace. You know, I would try to get any family that's never come to see them, but more times than not, they never showed up. Um, so I remember many a times that I stayed at their bedside, just holding their hand. And sometimes I would talk to them. Um, because I cared for them like, in every possible way that they needed to be cared for. Like, it, it, was, it was like, you know, oh, wow, you reached this age and you've lived such a life that you get thrown into a nursing home and not all nursing homes are the same. And I'm not trying to generalize. Again, I'm speaking about my personal experience. And, you know, I know we all tried our best in there and under the conditions and the environment that it that it had been then and but I would just stay there until they would take their last breaths and a lot of times you know I I post-mortem care I took pride in that you know there were people who sometimes would joke around in it, and at times you do need to laugh to get through the humor but always in a respectful way um, and some people don't understand the value of respect. And I think that's part of where mine stemmed from. But all that life experiences were and how I got to today and, and makes me contribute to the mother I became because at that point in my time, like I said, I was angry. And uh, once I got, I was a nurse and then went through different all experiences as a nurse. Um, direct patient care and then I switched over to case management and there were people there that I'm still friends with today and that I took a lot out on. There were a lot of great women that I met that represented, you know, <laughs> a mother to me, I guess, a mother figure that I just naturally gravitated towards, but you got to remember not all mothers are good. Um, not all mothers know how to be a mother. Not all mothers... Not all mothers... Well, you know what? Like they say, it doesn't come with a handbook. Um, I've never been divorced myself, so how do I know how to do? Well, I know because I learned a lot from my mother. I learned how to be the opposite. I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to do that. Not on everything. There were some things. Because those things come out of me naturally. Just like my mom, you know. And 
some of that I was okay with and some of it I wasn't. So you work really hard to change the things that you might have gotten from your parents, but they don't align with you anymore. And, um, you know, um, it's, I, and I speak as a parent either way. I am a mom, but uh, there's dads who are the same as both types of moms can be. There's both types of dads that could be. And I was uh, basically robbed of that opportunity as a child. Um, you come to find out things later in life that give you a world of new insight when you look back on your entire life. And I'm just grateful that I'm able to do that now and have this, this new insight and perspective on my two different well, two different realities, so to speak. You know, um, so I, that's why I started therapy, because I was angry. It was anger management at that point, it seemed like. And I soon discovered it was much more, and I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety. Um, the anxiety I knew because of my stomach. <laughs> constantly burning. It's like a you know, slow build up of of lava and it would just poof out my stomach and eventually got an ulcer for it. But yeah, anxiety is real. And so is depression. So um pretty sure I agree with my therapist that I've been living a lifetime of depression and anxiety. And now that I was diagnosed with MS, MS can cause and or intensify, but it has with it depression. Um, so was I depressed because I had MS or was I depressed because of my life to date? So when you think about things like that, you realized <laughs> your depression probably came first. I didn't know it was depression until somebody told me, and even when they told me, I didn't understand. But uh, they wanted to prescribe me medicine, and at first, no, I just wanted to try therapy. And I was going quite often, and we discussed my childhood. And But it's all those years, it never dawned on me that my father and I were alienated. Um, and my mother had a lot to do with that. And all I could focus on at that time is, is how I felt I was being abused, how the way I was spoken to, the way that I was raised. Because up until that point in my life, the treatment that I got was from my mother, my grandmother, turns out an aunt, uh, you know, there was, there was a lot of toxic in my house and, but didn't know any better because they didn't know any better because what they came from. So it's really, they're f not them to blame once they realize they are to blame. I don't know how that works, but I do. And then, what do I do from there? 
I end up do going on medicine. Because no matter what I worked, how much I read, I, I just truly didn't understand. Because I still got up every day. I still lived my life every day. There was times where I had joy. There was times where I had trauma. Uh, there was always a lot of confusion, though. Always confused. You know, you, you're told one thing your whole life or you overhear the adults as you're growing up. And you're left with that in your head and, and you think about those things and you know you align with those things because that's how it's done and then you try it for yourself in the world and you know you you don't you don't align with it that's the only word I can think of it doesn't match who you are who, how it feels um, so you're conflicted internally because this is everything that I've known and as I step out to the world every day it's, you know, nothing that you thought you knew. And, and um, it's, this is hard. It's, it's very hard because I've had a lot to blame as to how my daughter got to where she is. You think that you're, you're doing a good job. I really did because, boy, I loved her. That was the true first time I ever knew what love was like real love and uh, it was overwhelming it was unconditional it was instant it was I don't know why it, it was nothing like before and it was a lot for me to handle thankfully not all at once thankfully my emotions and I had support. Um, I had a fantastic pregnancy. I was so happy. I took such good care of her. You know, um, I was a smoker, a dirty smoker, shunned to the garage. Uh, and then we, I peed on a stick. I came home, I peed on a stick, went out and smoked two cigarettes in the garage, back to back. Because I knew I was going to go in there, and those were the last two cigarettes that I'm ever going to smoke, if that's positive. And at that time, I bought cartons. So the pee stick was positive. So I took the pee stick, and I took the carton cigarettes, and I left it where um, my husband would come home and hopefully get the message. And he did. And we were happy. And... I didn't even think. It, it, I mean, it was so easy to just stop because there was something just so much greater inside of me and I didn't want to be that. And I still don't want to be a smoker. And I had stopped until two years ago. And it didn't take, it wasn't a full two years, it's only been about a year. But it slowly worked its way up into that as I went through the divorce. Um, and I want to quit. I do. I've tried. I've been trying. Um, but, you know, right now, I have so much else that my mind has taken up. And it's another excuse, but right now, I'm using it. And, um, so I didn't. And, 
I did. I had a great pregnancy. I did. Um, and I had no issues. You know, you've seen it through. I had a great OBGYN. I just did. He was fantastic. His whole office was fantastic. Um, I ended up, I w was working at home at that time, so I worked up until my 40th week. Um, and she was still happily inside. And I even was ready to deliver and living in brick at that time and hung my own Christmas lights on the outside of the house because I wanted my girl to, uh, I wanted her to have Christmas lights when we came home from the hospital. So at that point, I had to do it myself. Um, so I did, and there's happy pictures and memories, and, you know, I was just so in love, so in love, because despite everything he and I had been through, this is 20 years now, at that point when I had my daughter, it was 2006. And I'm pretty sure that for the first time in his life, he felt that same love that I felt. I saw it. I felt it. And I believed it. I truly believe it. And I still believe it to this day. I just think that we each handle this type of love that is once forward to us and then in gives it to you in such an overwhelming amount all at once. I mean, that's huge. That is huge. I don't, I don't think everybody understands that. When you come from certain childhood, you, you think you know love. You think you understand love. But their, their love is destructive. Um, and you don't even realize the self-destruction you bring upon yourself living through those words and... and and how it conditions you, what you become, how you handle things. It affects every part of you. I'm just lucky that I decided to go in the opposite way and not follow. Because I said when I went to therapy, I refuse to allow this cycle of abuse to continue. Once I realized all of that's what it was, even though I still never realized how mentally ill my mother is until I found out about my father. How she's become probably consumed by guilt. If she could ever accept the blame and realize I'm not mad, I forgive her. What if I fuck it up right now with Audrey? Uh, shoot, I have to delete that name. What if I, what if that, what if this happens now? What happens? She's 11. What happens if I, she spends her whole life hating me? Because I did. I spent the whole life focusing on the hate. But I still love my mom because I still tried. I still tried every time, even though I never tried hard enough. I still tried. I know I did. I knew I did my whole life. I think that's why it was easier that when they slammed the door in my face this time, keeping it closed is the best option for me. 
I'm healing. They're still suffering. And I can't be around that. And I miss my niece. I miss her. I just wanted to be her, her source of light and love. Because I know that they love her. They just don't know how to express their love in a healthy manner. And that's, that's my sister included, shockingly. And then there's my aunt. She doesn't realize how mentally ill she is either. So, and with them, they take victims too, you know? Because if there's somebody who's mentally ill with tendencies to be abusive with certain characteristics, certain tactics they, uh, um, that are hidden, they're ins insidious. Insidious, insidious, it's insidious. It's, it's so invisible, it's like an illusion. Um, but with enough, with enough life experience and enough research and enough understanding, you can see through the illusion, you know the trick. And the magic is in that. So um, as I cross over a major threshold in my path of life, the one from victim to victor, I have to, I have to protect my daughter, the one that both her father and I love very much, um, and she had a great childhood. She had a great childhood, you know, when she was a baby, loved her, the love never, never, ever, ever has gone away. It just gets more and more every day, and, you know, I breastfed her because I do believe, that's my personal belief, that that initial, especially first month, two months, the longest it can is obviously my choice, but my boobs didn't want to comply. And um, I couldn't tell if I was getting enough out for her because she was always hungry and, and then I needed to switch to formula. And, you know, I was okay with that because at that point I was depressed postpartum depression and I had no idea. No, I had no idea until I looked back on it and realized how freaking depressed I was because there's always that one night, not always, but I don't know. I feel like if I had this one type of experience, maybe somebody else did. But I was rocking her. I was tired because I was the only one that could feed her. You know, he, you know, he was off for two weeks and, and he helped me because I had surgery. I ended up having a C-section. She didn't even want to come out. They had a suction her head out with the little <laughs> oh, she didn't want to come out and there she was and and now here we are time goes fast um, but he did we had a great one I wrote a poem one father's day and made him a scrapbook he was an amazing father oh my god and then being an amazing father you know once he he helped me he supported me through that depression maybe he knew 
me better than I knew myself at that point. Uh, I think that's the case sometimes, at least he thought so. Sometimes he was actually right now that I think about it because this marriage was not a one-sided fault. Um, we are both mentally ill. I just, our diagnoses are different. Um, and I am choosing to actually get better instead of allowing myself to become bitter because, wow, could we become bitter? Yeah, we could become bitter. I see a lot of people in this life becoming bitter. And as much as they are bitter and just honest about it, throwing it in your face maybe a little too much, you know, but negative, you know, that negativity, even though it comes uh, from a pain as a victim, is still as toxic. It, it still is. I know that. It's just as toxic as the mentally ill people in our lives that become the abusers. Um, yeah, they are. It's, it's real abuse. No, there are no physical bruises. Of course we know that. We've heard that. But you know what? There's no justice for this. There's nobody who's willing to listen. I have 41 years of experience of both sides. So much of it documented, kept in my box. My box is my vault. My vault was, so to speak, my Pandora's box. And as I read through my history, everything became so much clearer. <laughs> and I have to protect my daughter. I promised, didn't I? I promised myself that when I started therapy, I was going to end this cycle of abuse. I did, on my part. I chose to get better. The people who get bitter, well, they think they get better. They convince themselves they get better. They research how to get better. Most of us think we just have anger management. Some of us know we have depression, anxiety. Some of us even know we have bipolar. And, but there are a lot of other diagnoses out there that aren't being made. Um, and are a lot more involved. And I understand it for both sides. And the only thing that there is to blame is pain. Pain is the root of all of this. This is, this is what, what fuels us. We've changed our souls. They, they're not pure anymore. No matter how much we try to tell ourselves they are. Because we still suffer from so much internal conflict as to what we're told and what we experience on our own. But he was, he still is a good, loving father. And my daughter loves her father. 
Now, you see, my father would have loved me. He didn't ever stop loving me, actually. Um, and I would never want Audrey to hate me selfishly. But I would never want to change how she sees her father. Because she still sees her father as I saw him when he first looked into her eyes. So how do I do this? How, how, how does somebody do this? How does somebody knowingly send her child half her life? Because I, I don't have full custody. I have her every other week and alternating Thursdays. That's all I have right now. Summer, there's vacations and such. But you see, the life I live at home, I live half my life, technically now, without her. That was an adjustment. Oh, that's still hard to do. I didn't have a child to only be there half of her life. Are you fucking kidding me? Do you realize how much I knew I was going to have to deal with by leaving? After 18 years, from 21 to 39. Wow. And from my parents divorced, till now. I've been, I've been shaped, molded by so much. Uh, it's so weird. It's just so weird to describe how abused and how much damage it caused. But now that I'm healing it, I'm, I, my life shattered into pieces. It's, it's literally shattered. I am... Um, that June 13th changed everything for me. And it brought a lot of turmoil. Stress. Change. All at once. I don't regret what happened. Feel it was a blessing in disguise, and I have a new opportunity to rebuild my life, heal myself, which enables me to take better care of my daughter. Because the one thing I never made a duty to my responsibility was to take care of myself. Oh, how do you not take care of yourself? Think about that. How do you not take care of yourself? How do you forget? Oh no, you don't. You just learn because we adapt to this survival lifestyle. And this is what we have to become to survive. I'm tired of surviving. I want to thrive. I'm tired of surviving. I'm tired of watching the people around me survive. I'm Trying to watch the world survive. Mm. 
there's just so much potential out there. <sighs> but right now, I just, I need help. I'm having some help for her. Um, but she resists therapy because, quite frankly, it was sabotaged. I'm too bad there weren't cameras in the parking lot. inside but you see I don't I don't want to change how my daughter sees her father I don't but I do want him to get help I want him to get help I want him to be ever to express the love he feels genuinely I want him to unfuck his own mind because he he can fuck with the mind. <laughs> That's his talent. Something I helped him develop through the years, helped him practice, hone his skills. Because I didn't go down without a fight. But ironically, our fights motivated me to be better. I don't know. Now I have to find different motivation. Motivation. Think about that. My motivation became dependent upon. I didn't hear much positive. You know, of course, oh, she's so smart. That's because I did the homework by myself. Because, you know, I, <laughs> I don't know when, how long they could have helped. Um, but I did. I was, I was self-motivated to begin with. Uh, but I became motivated by the negative instead of the positive and that's a, that's a really shitty way to live a life I've always told my daughters the positives you always start with positives before you give the negatives I know that sometimes I forgot that but I know one thing never, 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 never was I so angry that I took it out on my daughter? Never. Not with anything. And especially not with my words. Because I know no matter what came out of my mouth, it was never meant to be that way. And I had to make a conscious effort to make sure it stayed that way. It was a lot of work sometimes. Oh, it was a lot of work. And I was negative sometimes outwardly. Because, uh, I don't know, that's kind of just how we did it. Oh, my kids are like this. Oh, I know they're like that. We think we're really doing a good job parenting. We really do. And some of us are. Some of us are. We really, some of us are. And I thought I was one of those that was. But it turns out I've been doing a lot more in the uh, hidden by overcompensation on my part. Yeah, you do. You, you don't realize it, you know. You think you're on the right path, but, you know. There's undermining. <laughs> Boy, is that toxic. <laughs> I don't even remember exactly when it started, but it's been a long time. And it's to the point where, especially on the Mondays, when she comes back to me since the 16th of June, when I abruptly left her life, she had no idea what was going on. And the 
first thing my ex did was get child protective services involved you know I don't blame them because I I I made that Facebook video I know where I was the problem was I didn't know how to express hope and it came out as fear the words just came so fast I couldn't understand them I was sick I was so sick I had no idea how sick I was I was too busy taking care of everyone else once again not even realizing how toxic they still were to me no matter how much I knew I had to stay strong I had to think positive can't let them say reflect me just go with it try to be comfortable try to figure this out I just it just gets to a point where you just can't do that anymore you just can't do that anymore you can't constantly have these people in your life because you're never going to be able to get better they don't want you to get better they think they want you to get better they're convinced themselves but deep down it's not and it shows in their actions and you hear it in their words they try to hide it with humor but she's not the same and it is it is hard it's very hard because she has no respect for me that's right I've been a great mom I've because I loved her I made uh, our child was naturally just happy and fun every morning we would get a bath and I'd sing these songs every morning every time I was just so happy to have Even when she was terribly two, and somehow that turned into a little bit of three, and then it started to change at four, it changed again at five, it changed again, it changed again, it changed again. Every phase was temporary, and I even had a book, Pediatric Association, you know, how to take care of birth and then through the adolescence, and, and it was a good thing because one thing I understood is as a kid, I just wanted somebody to listen to me understand my side because it didn't seem to matter because somehow it was always turned around onto me and I was to blame and as I got older I, I just couldn't logically understand how how I'm constantly always the one to blame I'm not the one blaming other people all the time I mean yeah there's times where I cast blame and now I realize that it was just as much my fault that was just an ineffective communication. That's probably the root of many of our problems. And I don't want to live one week one way, one week another way, because I'm not allowed right now. My daughter doesn't want anything to do with my new life. She's refusing the friends that I consider family. She doesn't realize I don't have anybody else I mean I did it's it, it, it's 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 somewhat cathartic okay it's somewhat cathartic everything in my life right now is falling apart I had hope to downsize at house that was you know not meant to be I suppose but I packed my garage is still packed I can't unpack it uh, this is just doesn't it's not here anymore I, it's too much I can't maintain it physically. It's too much. And everybody else in their lives is so busy 
I don't want to take time away from them having their family time for them to come and help me. It's not that I don't need the help, and it's not that I don't want the help. It's hard to ask, and then when you finally do, you realize people do want to help, but they can't today. They can't right now. Well, I have a lot of, a lot of right now, a lot of time. That's the problem. Too much time. Time could be a, too much time could be a problem. Some days it is, but other days it's allowed me to be able to incorporate some, uh, some new life experiences. You know, she just got back from summer vacation with her dad. Well, he let me know they were going to Pennsylvania in the vicinity. Um, what he never told me is they went to Ohio. Um, what he never told me is they experienced something hitting their windshield and having to get a new windshield on their travels. Um, I was not even informed of the hotel. Nothing that the divorce agreement would do. I wasn't informed of any of that. I had no idea where my daughter was during that time unless I took it upon myself to know oh okay so basically there you go another thing oh well Lord, I just have to deal with it again ah yeah no it's unfair and it sucks but what else are you going to do because nobody else is helping you you know sure she came back yesterday agreements 9 a.m. I got less than 20 minutes notice that she'd be there at 8. Oh, well, okay then. I, That's fine. It would have been nice to know so I could have been home. But hey, th too bad, Lauren. That's just the way it is. That paper means nothing. You learned that through the justice system as you went through the divorce. You realized what your rights and And what you're told are two different things. Uh, it's, it's amazing what you can learn with a new perspective. So what do I do? Where do I go? What do I do? How do I fight this? Nobody wants to listen. Nobody wants to understand that this silent abuse is just as bad. And it's sometimes even worse with the physical abuse because you usually get both I don't I don't think somebody just punches you without some anger oh she's screwing around and then were they really just screwing around was that really just a joke did they really just say that yeah that's what really gets to happen but oh well, gotta keep trucking along, right? Tired of trucking along. I'm going to find a way to get protect my daughter. And that is not gonna stop. Not today, not tomorrow, not ever. Problem is I know a little bit more now. And knowledge is power. And it feels good to feel powerful and it's okay. To feel that way too. That's the booter, booster, the boost, the the whatever the fuck it is. It's the best. This insight, if you use it wisely, 
if you start to research, understand words again, look back on the, our nation's history again, look back on us, what astrology is and an astronomy, astronomy. I, you have to remember, I do have MS too. And although you can't see it, see, it's one of those other ones that's an illusion to people. It's invisible because I don't look thick. Well, it gives you a lot of perspective onto life to live an invisible illness too, especially when it's cognitive. And you, people don't take well to cognitive or, or those types of changes in people very well. They're, they're very quick to judge. And then they're very embarrassed when I tell them, oh, I have MS and it's part of my disability. And I don't want to embarrass anybody like that. I really don't. Yeah. Are you having a good day? Yeah, I'm having a great day today. I'm here. I'm at this store and I actually had the money in my pocket to go here. Because money, oh, forget it. I've already explained that. I learned my lesson. I'm learning it hard. I'm going to go through a whole new legal process system in order to try to get a fresh, clean start now that I know how to rebuild my life the best way for me. But I keep getting roadblocks. Roadblocks. Mine have been <laughs> sign of animals, but they're roadblocks nonetheless. And stop looking, listen, and understand nature, Mother Earth, and animals. Yeah, that's where you start to sound crazy, but I don't know. I love my animals. Seems like we all love our animals. So I'm not sure that those who understand are crazy. They're not. The people who don't understand have a crazy rationalization. Um, I don't know. I have to see what else unfolds for my day. Thank you for listening. Um, I'm hoping that I have more to say because I do definitely have more to say. I just think that's enough for right now. Thanks. Have a good day.